0: Thank you, guys, for leading us in worship this morning, and thanks for being here this morning to to worship the Lord. And um, as Pastor Billy mentioned earlier, um, you guys really came to the came to the plate when we uh, when we called out for this need for these um, meals for Thanksgiving. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate your willingness to serve in that way. And um, as Billy said, there'll be some other opportunities coming. Um, you know, we we've, we've become kind of a regular. Uh, expression of God's love there in Spring Mills. And um, we, we're looking forward to that continuing. And yes, so thank you for what you did and what you're already um, doing and what you're going to do to show God's love in practical ways. Uh, just before we get into our message this morning, I just want to mention a few things that you can be praying about. Um, you probably, uh, you should have gotten an email from us this week. Listen, if you don't get an email from Center Point Bible Church. You need to let one of us know because a lot of things go out through that means of communication. Um, but we had three different individuals in our church family, or th- really three families that were impacted by death over the last week or so. Um, that was uh, Randy and Carla Pearl and their family. As Randy's father uh, went to be with the Lord um, on, it was at his funeral this week, and I thought this is probably more than likely the last World War II veteran funeral that I'll be able to, to attend. Uh, Randy's father was a World War II veteran, and um, he went to be with the Lord, and um, and praise the Lord for that. And then I'm um, be praying for the Hearn family, as Bill and Gaynor's daughter, Tanya, her husband, he passed away. Young man, 53 years old, he passed away. The funeral will be this week, I believe, so be praying for them. And then um, Nancy Hendershot's sister, um, she passed away this week as well after a, a time of illness. And so a lot of people in our body just going through some some struggles right now, we need to be lifting one another up and praying that god is is the great comforter that that He promises that he is so here 's what here 's what my desire is today. I want us to take time now and, and look into god's word because we have a lot of messages that come to us on this sort of rock that we live on, right I mean, people are always trying to press us into some mold, and now here we are for for the next thirty forty five minutes maybe longer, if you stay for a focus hour, where we're going to look into God's Word and we're going going to allow Him to mold us, to conform us, to transform us by His Word. But if we don't come into that moment with a heart before God that says, Speak to me now. Lord, I want to hear what you have to say. If we don't come into it with that kind of an attitude then I'm not so sure that God's going to do any transforming work in our lives. He wants us to be desirous of His working in us. So before we go to His Word, and before I I share with you how God's impressed upon me, and before we study this passage together, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. So you pray with me as we talk to God. Father, we are grateful for Your presence. It is very real. Lord, you are here with us now in a very special way. And that's what we want to see today. And that's what we want to be impacted by. Lord, we have many things that, that press upon us in life, many things that, that are always there. And Lord, now what we want to do is focus our attention on you so God, we give You permission. We, we ask You now to come and to speak to our hearts and to do things and to change things and to impress things upon us that no person can do. Lord, we do not want the power of man to impress our hearts today. That's not enough to move our hearts. Father, we want Your Spirit now to press upon us, Lord, we, we come to you because of your Son, and through His name, and we pray because your Spirit indwells us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this morning I want to I want to use an illustration from from my yard at my house. Um, if you've never been to my place. Um, over the years, there's been this ongoing battle over the last 20-some years between me and these large pine trees that surround my house. Now, I'm not talking like Christmas tree, okay? That's not the kind of pine tree I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind that are like 30, 40 feet high, and they're about this big around, and, and they're huge and imposing, Most of my children have climbed them up and climbed up high and and got stuck up there. And and they're always waving in the wind around our house. And and every single year, there's this battle that rages because one or two of them fall over and then I got to go out there and clean them up. And let me tell you, it's a long, hard battle between me and these trees. So just this last spring... Um, when, you know, so before the summer, back in like maybe January, February, March, sometime in that period, there was, there was a big heavy storm that, that came through. And I was actually at a meeting, a, a church meeting, and my daughter called and said, Daddy, a, a tree fell over at the house. I'm like, well, did it hit the house? No, but it's laying in the yard. I'm like, okay, it's old news, happens every single year. We always have one or two that blow down. So I go home later on that day, and sure enough, there it lay, stretched out across my yard, and I'm thinking about all the work this is going to be. I don't mean to complain, okay? I, I need a couch to, to lay on here and kind of express my heart ache, you know? So, But I know what this means. It means cutting off all the limbs and then dragging them down and burning them and then cutting them up into like six, eight-foot lengths and lifting up on my shoulder and dragging it down and throwing it in the fire pit. And and my sons are all gone now. They've all They've all left, and so I don't have these strong, young men to drag them around so guess who gets to do it me yeah unless you want to come help you're certainly welcome to so i'm looking at it i've got a bit of a bad attitude as you can tell okay you know as i'm thinking about the job that this is going to take and the hours i'm going to have to spend i'm like trying to you know i've done this many many times i mean i don't want to exaggerate but hundreds of times okay that's an exaggeration but but every year one or two of these trees i've got to deal with and so i've kind of learned how to do it you know and so for the lumberjacks in the room, this is a review, but I limit, okay? I take off all the limbs and, and then, you know, I, I look at and decide where I'm going to cut it. And if you haven't done a lot of chainsawing, you, you've got you to watch out for pinching where you can be sawing and the, the, the tree comes together and pinches your bar and then your, chains, your chainsaw is stuck. And, and all, so I'm processing all that. And so I find the spot where I'm gonna cut, okay, and, and I can see that the tree is is kind of out here. It's not really it's not being supported out here. So I know what it's gonna do. When I cut it, it's gonna do this, okay? When I when I cut here, it's gonna go like that. And so so for those of you who know what I'm talking about, I I, un, I cut here, all right, and then I come through this way. So again, my bar doesn't get pinned in the tree. So I'm out there, I saw and I saw underneath, and I start going in through the top. And and listen. I got a bad attitude at this point, all right? I don't want to be out there. As, as I recall, it's cold. I'm tired. I've got a sore back, okay? You know, I really don't want to be working. This all's heavy and all that kind of stuff. And I'm out there sawing. You know, I'm sawing through this big, I mean, you know, this giant tree. Okay, maybe not quite like that, but a, but a big old tree, you know? And I'm cutting it down. And then this thing happens. It's one of those moments that in a second... I could have been absolutely wiped out because let me tell you sort of the rest of the story, the back end of the story. Here's what happened. When the tree blew over, it didn't just break the bottom or something crazy like that. That's not what happens. When the tree goes over, at least at my house, what happens is this giant section of roots with dirt and and the heavy weight of the root structure, like came up with it now. Okay. So this is the root section and here's the tree. And what happened, this was the, this, the only time this has ever happened to me. Maybe you guys, some of you are like, of course, that's going to always happen a But this is what happened. When I cut through that tree, the weight of the base, the huge ball of roots at the bottom covered with soil and dirt and rocks and all of that is now the heaviest part of the tree. And what happens when I cut the top out of that tree, the 12, 14-foot stump, the bottom of the tree, seriously, at least maybe 16 inches around, now comes flying up at like 100 miles an hour. It sits straight up. Because like a weeble, oh, remember weebles? They wobble, but they don't fall down. Okay, remember those? So there, you don't know what I'm talking about. Let me give you a more, more maybe current illustration. You ever seen those like blow up, punch things that you can punch them and they go over and they got that sand in the bottom and they set back up? Remember those things? You ever seen those things? Okay, that was my tree. And what happened is the weight of the base came flying up, I mean fast, and within an inch of my chin. And I thought, it's one of those moments where I stopped, I set the chainsaw down, the adrenaline was flowing through me, and I thought, just like that, I I could have been killed. I mean, in a second, it could have been over. I I mean, it had been like a Mike Tyson punch times 100 to my chin, and I would have been done. Now, why do I open with that story today and have a picture of an iceberg? (laughs) What's going on here? Here's my point today. We need to understand a truth about the church of God. We need to understand today from God's Word what this is. What the gathering of God's people represents what happens when God's people come together. Whether we are a group of 20 or 20,000, when God's church meets, it is something powerful. It is something supernatural. It is something unique. And there have been people all through history, all through history, who have stepped up to take out the church. And it's like a weeble Okay? Or like one of those, you know, bop it things. Or like the giant tree in my yard. You can think it's down. You can think the church is out. You can think that that somebody has won against God's church. But I promise you the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you take any time to study church history, you will see this. You can go back into the biblical days. You can read the book of James when the church in Jerusalem is now under great persecution. And I don't mean to trouble anybody, but the persecution that was being applied against believers is unbelievable. The leaders, the the political leaders of the day would literally take Christians. All they'd done is name the name of Christ. They would dip them in oil, stick them up on a post in their yard, and light them on fire. And they would light the gardens with burning Christians. And it didn't end there. It didn't end there. It has continued for 2,000 years. You go to the 1500s, when the truth of God was now hidden under tradition and under the power of this, of this global church And God raised up people who understood what grace was, what truth is, what the Scriptures are. And at the cost of their life, they proclaimed the gospel. You can flash forward to the current day, where in China, it is illegal to worship, to gather right now. It is illegal for churches to gather that are not sanctioned by the political government. We would be an underground church. Why? Because we preach the Bible. We don't follow the, the, the restrictions that government places upon us. So in China today, if you gather as a group of believers independently following God in the way that he describes in the New Testament, you come under great persecution. And even today, right now, there are believers in China jailed simply because they, they meet as believers. In Iran today, there's a huge movement of Christianity right now in this primarily Muslim country. It's often led, we are told, by women. By women today in the country of Iran. And they're gathering together believers into local groups where they worship God. And again, the government powers to be, they try to press them out, but it cannot be done. You can knock it over. You can knock over local body of believers, but there is something special about God's church when they gather together, and I want us to understand this today. Now, my message for you today is is about the importance of the local church, The, the, the supernatural nature. This is not just some gathering. This isn't just another form of the rotary or some kind of club or or anything like that. That's not what this is. There is something supernatural that happens here that happens no other place. No other place. And we're going to see that today in God's Word. Now, in many ways, it's like I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that. I understand that. But I, I, I want you to be encouraged today to continue with your investment in God's organization, in God's method, in God's means. I, I want to I today store up in you the potential energy for the value of the, of the gathering of the church so that when something comes in your life in one month or six months or six years and you're tempted to, to shift away from the local church, as many are, are often tempted to do, Hebrews says, that you'll remember this truth today. And you, you will not abandon the, the, local, the, the gathering of the local church because of what it means, not even to you, but to God. To God. So go in your Bible with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. And as you turn there, I, I really want to challenge us today with this idea that God is committed to His church, and we should be as well. We should be as well. And I want us to see why. I want us today to see why it is. It's not out of obligation. It's not because I have to. It's not because if I don't, then so-and-so won't see me. And they'll be disappointed or they'll be upset or, or my mom will, will be sad that I'm not going to church. Those are not acceptable reasons for you to gather here together as the local body of believers. I want to say this too. What I'm going to read to you in just a minute and what we're going to explain and study together doesn't just apply to this local body of believers. There are scores of local body of believers within any radius of this place right now. There's all kinds of local body believers that are living out this passage. And let me tell you, many, and many, many of them are great churches. And I want you to be part of this church. But more important than that, I want you to be part of a church that is what is being described here, that is faithful to the Word, that is faithful to the Gospel, that is faithful to be a New Testament church, and to understand the value and the significance of this. Because here's the reality. Life can be hard. I get that. We spend all week surrounded by a culture that is opposed to God. We are being pressed by people and problems and different perspectives that that try to force us into another place, another form, another idea. And what what I'm going to share with you today will, will seem to many out of touch, archaic, listen this is still god's truth first corinthians chapter 3 by now I'm, I'm sure that you've found it we're going to start at verse number 16 and look what it says here do you not know that you are god's temple and that god's spirit dwells in you thank you guys i had this for the screen for those that need it now i want to say something here before i go any further in verse number 16, there's something here that we can't quite see in, in appropriate English. So I'm going to West Virginiaize this passage, okay? Because the word you, the word you in this passage is plural. But the word temple is singular. That's going to be very significant in just a moment. So here's what it says Do you not know that y'all? That's what it actually says, okay? Do you not know that y'all are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in y'all? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and y'all are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. And y'all are Christ. And Christ is God's. Here's what we're going to see today. We're going to see today together that, that God is very invested in what is going on here. God is invested in what is happening here. And God is going to defend his investment. He defends his investment. And lastly, we're going to see a couple warnings for for how we should live among this gathering of God's people. So that's kind of our plan for today. So in verse number 16, here's what it says. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? The thing that we want to see today is that God is committed to his church. Help me out, guys. I need you to help me, Mason. God is committed to his church. So, so I, need, I, need to, I need you to clearly understand something about this because the whole argument of what I want to demonstrate to you is built upon one reality. And I'll tell you what it is. The reality is this, that when we gather here together as a group of believers like this, when we gather here together like this, God is supernaturally here like he is no other moment of your life. There is something significant, something supernatural that happens at this moment that doesn't happen any other time in your life. In the corporate gathering of God's people, God is there in a special way. And this is what Paul is trying to say when he says, Do you not know that you all are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you all? Now, this does not mean if you keep your finger here and turn over to First Corinthians chapter six, there's a please go there, because this is a very important distinction. That many people, many Christians, do not understand, and to their own detriment, to their own damage, to their own destruction, they don 't realize it. First Corinthians chapter six, verse number nineteen. look here with me and, and let 's be instructed by god 's word First Corinthians six nineteen now look what Paul says here, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, folks, that's different than 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 16. Look, at, look back and forth. Look at them. 3.16 is saying that you all, when you all are gathered together like this, that God's Spirit is here. But 1 Corinthians 6.19 is saying that when you are just walking around your everyday life, God's Spirit is here. See, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are indwelt by God's Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit comes and lives inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6.19, 1 Corinthians 12.13. We know this to be true. But what Paul is driving at is when we gather here together at this moment, when we sing songs together, some better than others, some we, we do a really good job and some we don't. When we gather here together and we open up God's Word and we, we read it and study it together, sometimes better than others. When we interact with each other and encourage one another here in this local body, sometimes better than others. God's Spirit is here. Supernaturally. Uniquely. Like no other moment. There's a very popular saying that you will hear sometimes. You'll see memes that portray it, or you might even hear believers say it. And it's this, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You ever heard that? And that sounds okay, but often what it means is this. My relationship with the Lord is individual. It's me and God, and I'm a spiritual person but I'm not religious, meaning I kind of avoid the, the gathering of God's people. Listen, let me tell you right now, that, that is not, those are not the words of a believer. Those are not the words of a believer. If you can, if you can avoid the gathering of God's people, if the absence of this temple moment is okay with you, then you seriously need to ask yourself, are you indwelt by the Spirit? If the corporate gathering of the temple of God, if this moment is not worthy of your investment, I want to warn you, as a student of God's Word, and as a pastor, that you must evaluate is the Spirit of God in you. Have you ever taken like a bunch of, like in science class, you would, you would have these like pieces of metal and they'd be magnetized, okay? And you'd take them on a table. I remember a science teacher doing this and kind of like throw them onto the table and they would scatter across the table, and then they would do what? They would gather up. You ever seen that? Magnetized marbles. They would throw them onto a table, and they come together. Folks, that's a picture of the temple of God. God's Spirit is in us, and He's drawing us to this temple moment That when we're all together, we are the temple of God. Oh, what a truth. See, God is invested in us. And the church is a special, unique opportunity for God and for us. It's a special, unique opportunity for God to work with His children and for us to have Him work upon us as His children. Look at me with verse, verse number 16. It says here, Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells in you? Now we need to realize that, that this is a culture that fully understands what it means to, for, uh, when, when you express the idea of a temple. Corinth was filled with temples. And they understood in the Corinth world, they understood what a temple was. To us, we don't really deal with temples too often. There's not many, two, not many times that you and I walk by a temple, but in this day it would have been all the time. And gathering the temple would be those who worship whatever God that temple was, being, was, was offering to. And so when Paul says that you are God's temple that meant something to these Corinth believers, one of the things I want us to understand is what God has done to bring you into this body. What God has done to bring you into this group into the, the gathering of, of God's people. It took the full power of the Trinity for you to be a member of the temple of God. Do you understand that? Take away any part, any, any person of the Trinity, and you and I are not part of the temple of God. It is, it is such a supernatural work it is such a out of this world thing that god has done that it the full work of the trinity let me demonstrate that to you first of all we see here in first corinthians three sixteen that god's spirit dwells in us there's something here that happens i mean think about this folks If all I was doing is coming here and trying to convince you by my own power, by by my persuasive ability, by my uh, my thoughts or or my insights, this would fail miserably. If you don't believe me, come, you know, let me try to sell you something. Let me try to sell you a car or something. Most of you will walk away. I'm not buying that thing. I can't convince anybody of anything. And I'm not leaning on me. And you shouldn't lean on me. What we should lean upon is God's truth. We need a person who will walk up here and simply tell us what God's Word says. That's my job. That's my job in this moment. Tell you what God's Word says. Not entertain, not convince, not persuade. That's that's God's Spirit's work. He does that. I just tell you what this says. And this says God's Spirit dwells in y'all. So there's something supernatural here that happens. It could be that today, you might be here and, you're, and you might be thinking, did Lowell see me coming? What, what, has he got like a guard out there? And he can see in the distance, oh, here comes so and so. Yeah, let's fire up the church's important message, okay? Go ahead and put that one into player. No. Listen, you came here today. I didn't know you were going to be here. And God is using his word. All I do, let me tell you my little secret of what I do. I pick sections of scripture and I teach on them until I run out of time. And you know what I do next week? I start up there where I left off. That's all I do. That's all I do. So there was no foreplanning. There was no strategy. Okay, I didn't see you coming in the distance and say, let's talk about church today. Nope, that's not what happened. God's spirit did it. And here's the amazing thing about God's spirit, because God's spirit dwells in y'all. When we're all together here, God's spirit, it's almost like you can see this individual like rays of sunshine that hit people all over the place, okay? And deals with you here and you there and you here. You, I can't tell you how many times somebody's come up to me and said, wait, Pastor Lowe, when you were talking about greed, it just really struck my heart. I just was like, yes, I must deal with this. And you walk away. You know what I think? I didn't even mention greed. I didn't even mention it. it happens all the time. All the time, somebody tells me how God impressed their heart, and they walk away, and I say, well, I'm really glad to hear that. And as they walk away, I think, I didn't say that. I wonder what they heard. God's Spirit? God's Spirit. I got a little distracted by myself. I'm trying to show you guys that it is the Trinity that is is working to place us in His body. If you were to turn to First Thessalonians chapter one, I'll just read it for you. It's verses four and five. Listen to the role the father played in this. First Thess one four to five. Paul writes, "For we know brothers loved by God. So these brothers are loved by God that He has chosen." you. Who has? God has. How do you know that? Because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And God worked, he's saying. God in eternity past looked forward and for some reason chose you. He chose you. He said, I'm going to put you in my body. I'm going to put you in my temple. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm going to put you in this temple. It was necessary. You never would have found him without God inviting you to himself. No one seeks after God on his own. We're, we're just graves. We're pits of destruction, Romans 3 says. No one seeks after God. So God, before the foundation of the world, looked forward and said, I want you. If that had never happened, you would have never responded to the gospel. Don't think you responded to the gospel because somebody was really a good speaker. Don't think you responded to the gospel because that day you had something really bad going on in your life. Don't think you responded to the gospel because of this or that or or the other. No, you responded to the gospel because God chose before the foundation of the world to call you. Praise God for that. So we got the Spirit, we got the Father. What about the Son? Acts twenty twenty eight. Listen what God's Word says there. This is again. This is this is Luke recording the words of Paul, and he says this: "Pay, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. It took the full Trinity to place you in this temple. The full power of God, all three persons of the Trinity, all co-equally God, not equal to one another, all playing different roles and different functions in making sure that you are part of this body. That's love. Love. That's power. And one more thing, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 16. Not only do we see that this is a special, unique opportunity, this gathering together of God's people that you need, that I need. I can't imagine what would happen to me as a follower of Christ if I were spiritual and not religious and abandoned this. Well, I'll tell you what would happen to me. I'll tell you right now what would happen to me. I would drift so far from God, I would drift either into pride or into apostasy. I would either operate on my own strength or abandon God. That's what I would do. Well, how do you know that, Lowell? Because that's what happens when other believers in the Bible abandon this truth. Hymenius, Alexander. When When we drift away, as Hebrews says, and not meet together, all the more as we see the day approaching, Hebrews 10, 25. We must gather together for the encouragement that comes by seeing and hearing and knowing who God is. So this is unique. This is a special opportunity for God to work in us. It requires the full work of the Trinity. And there's just one more thing I want to say here, all in this verse number 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Although the word church is not used in that exact verse, he's talking about the church. Last week I was able to sit in a focus group and hear somebody else instruct the, the folks group about the church. And they went back to First Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 2. Go with me there. Just turn back a page to 1 Corinthians 1-2. Look what Paul says. To the church of God that is in Corinth. See, this is a church. Now, what is that word church? A synonym is the temple of God, 3-16. 1 Corinthians 3-16. a A synonym of church would be the temple of God. But I want to say just a brief word about what this word church means. You probably have heard this Greek word. It's the word ekklesia, okay? You've probably heard that before. You don't need to know that word, all right? But if you do, that's great. And here's what it means it means a group of people called out for a specific purpose. That's what the church is. We are a group of people called out. Called out of the world for a specific purpose, sent by God. See, that's what this is. That's what this is. You've lived 128 hours out there. That's 24 times 7, okay? And so now you've been all, we've all been called here together. And what God is doing is he's calling us together and then sending us out. Called out on a mission is what this is. And so last week when I listened to Pastor Billy teaching his focus group, he said this, he says, like a military commander. And that was a good illustration. I never heard that before, Pastor Billy. It's like a military commander who says, men, we got to take this hill. we got to take this hill. So I need four volunteers. You, Pastor McDonald, Pastor Bridges, Pastor Edwards, Pastor Sharp. Those are the four guys with my squad in, in the Army, so that's why I'm picking them. You guys, all together, you take that hill. It's what this is. We're called together. We're supernaturally worked on by God right now. God does a supernatural work in your life. It's no human work. It's no personal effort. Oh, protect us from ever thinking that. No. God's spirit works. And then we are launched. Take the hill, men. And out we go, into the battle, into the world. All individually temples of God. You see how this works? We're all indwelt by God's spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 19. We're all little temples now, running out into the world. We gather together like that group of magnets all pulled together, the temple of God. Go, 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 go. And out we go set the world on fire? Glorifying God. Okay, two more things that we have to see here. And I got to talk real quick. So you guys got to listen real fast. Okay. Verse number 17. Here's a great warning. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now, this passage is not telling you, this passage is not telling you that you ought not to destroy your body. That's not what this passage is telling. You, you can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, okay? This is not talking about your body. This is not telling you that you, know, you shouldn't smoke or, or whatever, okay, you know, overeat. This is not what, that's not what this is saying, all right? This is talking about those who will come into the church and destroy the body of believers. Now, how's that going to happen? Now, you might think of persecution, and certainly that that would apply. But the warnings that Paul gives over and over and over actually is much worse than persecution. It's much worse than someone running with an AK-47 or much worse than somebody throwing a firebomb into a church. It's much worse than that. It's false teaching. It's teaching that pulls people away from the pure truth of God's words, from the gospel. It's, it's, it's those that that pull together other people, and instead of exposing them to God's Word, they expose them to their ideas. Instead of showing them what God's Word means, they might impress upon them their own thoughts. And there is a danger there. It's it's really the issue of pride of the speaker, and it is dangerous. And what God says is, if a person destroys God's temple, God's going to destroy them. Now, that, that word there is very, very bothersome. For those of us that that try to expose what God's word means, when you exegete that word, it's hard to know what he's saying. Destroy sounds like hell, okay? But the word doesn't always mean eternal punishment. So it's very difficult to know what is Paul saying. What is he saying? But I'll just throw this out. Whatever the individual is doing to the church, God's going to do to them. If somebody comes and destroys the church, the same word is used what God's going to do to them. There is a warning here. There is a warning against false teaching. There's a warning against backbiting. There's a warning against gossip. There's a warning against all a whole various things that can be done to the local body. And so there's a great way to, to draw a line in the sand and say, God, you stand on one side, and I'll stand on the other, and let's go at it. There's a great way for you to do that. Just simply destroy God's temple. And that's you poking a finger in the eye of God, if you really had one, and challenging Him. Now listen, this is, this is, this is heavy for me. This is heavy for me, and it should be heavy for any of you that communicate God's Word, for any of you that stand on behalf of God, whether you be in the nursery or up here on the, on the pulpit or in a focus group or a teen group or a children's group or a small group or whatever it is that you do. Whether it is that, that you serve alongside other people and they walk away, you gossip about them. I'm telling you, we got to be careful how we treat one another and how we treat the temple of God. Because what we do to the temple, God's going to do to us. Now, personally, I hold that he is talking about eternal damnation. That's exactly what I believe. The reason why I believe that is because in the previous verses, when I look at the context, he's already dealt with believers who build poorly. They survive, but as though through fire. You've got good builders, we talked about them last week, and and they have eternal reward. We got bad builders and that is just burned up at the judgment seat of Christ, okay? But now we got destroyers. And I believe we have a third group here. Now listen, we must watch out and you must watch out. What body of believers, what speaker, what teacher, what pastor you place yourself under. The only thing you want is someone who says, This is what God's Word says. As soon as somebody starts drifting off into their own opinion or or violating the simple reading of Scripture, I wish I had time to tell you some of the humorous things that I have heard people present as the preaching of God's Word. We want people who simply expose the meaning of the Bible. I love Centerpoint Bible Church. I'm not going to be here forever. Neither are you. I don't teach every focus group. Neither do you. I don't lead every small group. Neither do you. So we are all called to make sure that whoever is communicating is simply telling us what God's Word says. Finally, who man. That is, so God is is invested, okay? He's protecting his investment. And then verses 18 through 23, there's three warnings. And fortunately, I can go through these pretty quick, okay? Let's just look at them real, real quickly. Verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written... He catches the wise and the craftiness. This is a quote from the Old Testament. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They are futile. So here's what Paul was saying. A a warning that, that we need to understand. The first one is careful in living within the temple of God that you don't elevate yourself. That you don't elevate yourself. Let no one deceive himself. If you think you're wise, watch out. Don't elevate yourself. What's that look like? That, that looks like believing that you don't really need the body. You don't really need instruction in God's Word. That, that, back to that, I can be spiritual and not, quote, religious. Listen, that might sound good. That might sound good to your ear. That might sound really wise. But it's the elevating of yourself. Paul says, watch out for that. Verse 21, just so we can finish out the passage here. Here's the second thing. Don't elevate others. Let no one boast in men. Let no one boast in men. For all things are yours. And now Paul's gonna give sort of this list of like the big names in the Corinth church. Paul, Apollos, Cephas. And then he he goes he goes from extreme to extreme. He's trying to say, we don't boast in anything. Care if we don't elevate any others? Don't trust what anybody says. You know what I just said? Don't trust me. Trust that I point you here. Don't trust. I don't trust myself. You shouldn't trust you. you we, don't, we don't put our trust in anyone but God. I, I'm, I'm very sorrowed when I hear big name people go down. People go down. Oh, this person did that. This person does that. Listen, all, we don't put our trust in any human, we don't elevate people. We never, and this is the end, we never, ever, ever relegate God. And that's where it ends. He says, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. See, here's, here's, here's what we need to understand. We gather here right now. We're, all, we're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace, singing praises about God, being changed into His image, in the process of sanctification, allowing God's Spirit to work in us. And we need to have this moment because none of us can do this on our own. We don't lift up any one person and say, he's the example or she's the example. We all look to Christ, and say, he saved me. He remade me. He's conforming me. He's transforming me. This is what God desires to do. And it's why we believe in gathering together. with all of of its bumps and bruises and warts and freckles and problems and issues. There's something supernaturally unique about us gathered here together, allowing God's Word to be explained and exposed so that it can change us. Let's talk to Him. Lord Jesus, we thank You for this truth that You loved us too much to leave us in our sins. You loved us too much to leave us alone. The Father called us before time. The Son came and gave His life for us. And the Spirit draws in close. Indwells and changes us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Father, for your supernatural work. Now, Lord, as we wrap up here, launch us, encourage us, mobilize us, use us. You've given us your commission, you've told us what you want us to do. I pray, Lord, that we would run out of here to live it. You go with us. And we thank you for that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.